you would please open in the Bible to the Gospel of Luke. We're starting a new series this morning for Easter 2. If you'd open to Luke chapter 24, we're going to look at the uh, first few verses of this extremely important chapter, Luke's resurrection chapter. We're going to be looking at verses 1 to 35. It's a long reading, but a very important one, and I hope you'll follow along in the Bible. And if you would, please stand. The reading from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, verses 1 to 35. On the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were walking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed in word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and beside all this, It is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones, And slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going further, but they urged him strongly saying, stay with us. For it is toward evening, and the day is is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. 
When he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told, him, then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. The word of the Lord. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for this chance to be together this morning. We pray that you'd please send your gracious spirit upon us, that you would open our ears and our hearts, put away from us those distractions that would keep us from hearing you, and give us ears that we might truly hear your word, Father. Believe it, obey it, and rejoice in it for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. You'll find the reading uh, on page 884 in the Pew Bible. You'll also find it in the program on page 8, and there's space for some notes on page 9 if you want to make a few notes. We're starting a new series this morning. I've called it The Meaning of the Resurrection. I guess it's been on my mind that uh, the resurrection is, is something that we all know about, uh, we've all heard the story, we've, we've all had opportunity to think about it a little bit. We certainly know that the resurrection is one of those tests that you can quickly figure out where someone is on the theological spectrum. You can figure out if they're liberal or conservative, you can figure out if they're, if they're evangelical or not evangelical, uh, just by talking about the resurrection. It's one of those issues which clarifies where people are coming from in terms of their understanding what the Bible says. So it has a lot of significance to us. It's important to us, but I guess we don't always reflect on its meaning to us. Why is it so important? Why is it one of those questions that, that sorts people and helps us to understand uh, so much else? about what someone thinks about the Bible. Why is it so important? What does it mean? Well, I'd like for us to think about this this morning and actually over several weeks. We're going to have the opportunity to reflect on the meaning of Christ's resurrection. So this morning, uh, we are turning to the Gospel of Luke. If you were here last Sunday, you'll know we looked at uh, Matthew chapter 28, which is Matthew's resurrection chapter. And we pulled several themes, several, several important points from what Matthew had to say. This morning we're going to look at one of the other Gospels, the Gospel of Luke. Uh, Luke was not an eyewitness. Matthew, we believe, was. Uh, Luke was not an eyewitness, uh, but he is telling what eyewitnesses told him. And so he is giving an account, his own account, he says at the beginning of Luke's Gospel, an account, an orderly account of the things that happened. So we're going to be thinking this morning about Luke's interpretation guided by the Spirit and its meaning for us when we think about the resurrection of Christ. So, the meaning of the resurrection. Uh, Luke 24 opens, as Matthew 28 opens, with a Sunday morning, early. As Matthew records, so Luke records that the first people to actually go to the tomb on that first Easter morning was a small group of women 
who knew and loved Jesus. I'll say again, as I said last week, Jesus had a special regard for women. In a culture that didn't have a particularly high view of women, Jesus did. And it's interesting that the gospel records that women had a special role to play in Jesus' life and work. In fact, it was the women who were the first witnesses to the resurrection. It is the women who delivered the message to the disciples. And as we open to uh, the passage in verse 13, they're talking about it. The apostles, two of the apostles, one of the disciples, several of the disciples, it says, or two of them are walking along towards a village named Emmaus, and they're actually talking about all these things. They're talking about all the things that they've heard, all the things the women had said. As they walk along, they're talking about that, that first Easter morning. The amazing news of an empty tomb and an angelic messenger, and yet it was accompanied not with particularly a sense of joy, but a sense of perplexity. They were kind of sh- scratching their heads. What? What is the meaning of the resurrection? What is its significance? You could say that they're actually asking the question as they walk along that I hope we'll all ask this morning, Easter 2, 2023. What is the meaning of this amazing thing that we all know is true? What does it actually mean? So it says in verse 14, they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. Verse 15 While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. It's interesting. Luke is the only one who records this series of interactions that the resurrected Jesus had with the disciples. Uh, Luke actually records that it wasn't just a day or a day or two. It was 40 days of interaction between the resurrected Christ who came again and again to his disciples and appeared to them. Uh, he made himself known to them. He, he became known to them. And that's what's happening here. It says at first they couldn't recognize him. They were kept from recognizing him. But here, Luke says, the resurrected Christ came with his disciples. He walked with them. That idea of Jesus walking with his disciples, sometimes unknown, invisible to them, unrecognizable. But that becomes an important theme, not only for the last few verses of Luke's gospel, but for the whole book of Acts. You know, the same guy who wrote the gospel of Luke wrote a second volume called the book of Acts. And in the book of Acts, we read about the disciples as they continued to walk. One of the, one of the great metaphors for the Christian life was the way. And so as they walked through the chapters of Acts, these first few years of the mission and ministry of the church, again and again we get the sense that it's Jesus who's walking with them. Jesus who's invisibly sometimes working, opening doors, closing doors. And that walkway, that, that walk with Jesus, it begins here in Luke 24 with the resurrected Christ. It says in verse 17, Jesus said to them, What is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? It's very much a picture of Jesus with them, walking side by side. 
They stood still looking sad. See, once again, they, they, they don't fully understand the meaning of this resurrection. All they know is there was an empty tomb. All they know is they'd heard about this message that Christ had been raised. But when asked about it, their emotional response is sadness, perplexity, confusion, and sadness. Sometimes it's like that in the Christian life. Confusion, uncertainty, and sadness. Those are emotions not unfamiliar to Christians. Verse 18, one of them named Cleophas answered Jesus, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. What, a, what an amazing scene. Here, the disciples are walking along, feeling perplexed and sad. They're discussing Jesus, and invisibly to them, Jesus comes alongside them. I was watching a YouTube clip the other day, and it was a picture of the actor who plays Dwight in The Office, and he was on board a plane, and he was sitting next to a guy who was watching a, a video clip of The Office. And the guy sitting there was laughing and interacting with his video clip, unaware that right beside him was the guy who played Dwight. And it's a little bit like that here. Here the disciples aren't laughing. They're not joyful. They're actually perplexed, confused, and sad. And they're sitting next to, they're walking along with the one that they're confused and sad about, whose resurrection they don't understand. So he enters into their conversation. Tell me about these things that you're talking about. Uh, Jesus, who's, who's egging them along and, and in his uh, sovereign purposes is, is continuing the walk without, at this point, telling them who he is. Well, it says in verse 18, uh, They said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed in word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. So we're beginning to realize what they're so confused and perplexed about. They have misunderstood the meaning of Jesus' life and death and his resurrection. They had thought, they had thought that Jesus was going to be a conquering king who marched into Jerusalem and liberated the nation of Israel, the suffering people of God who'd been oppressed for centuries and who were suffering oppression from the Romans, they had thought that Jesus was going to be the conqueror who would redeem Israel. And by redeem, they mean set it free politically, militarily. That's what they'd expected. And so they were very confused when they saw Jesus die. And even more confused when they saw that his body was gone. Besides all this, they say, continuing in verse 21, uh, besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. So once again, the resurrection at this point hasn't really helped them at all. It's only added to the confusion. I think there are probably a lot of us who know the story of the resurrection, who know it's important but are just perplexed about it. What difference does it make? Uh, 
remember having a conversation not too long ago with a college student who was who was telling me they didn't they they understood the they knew the facts they'd actually been raised in a christian home they knew the facts but they had no understanding whatsoever of its significance to them its meaning to them and i know there are people sitting here today who don't really know what difference the resurrection of jesus makes well, that's what Jesus is talking about as he walks with his disciples on the road to Emmaus on that first Easter, long, long ago, the meaning of Jesus. And I want to emphasize two important parts of Jesus' message as he explains to them the meaning of his resurrection, the meaning really of his whole life. Two important uh, messages which Jesus has for us. That is the resurrection and our union with Christ and the resurrection and our union with one another. That's where he starts. That's what he's talking about as he walks along with them. Emphasize with them. It's very interesting that when Jesus appears to the disciples, it's when two were walking along. Previously, Jesus has said that when two or three are gathered in his name, he will be with them. And here on the very first Easter, Jesus does just that. Two of them, two of his disciples, were walking along in their confusion, in their uncertainty, in their sadness, and Jesus is there with them. Jesus is with his people. Jesus, the resurrected Jesus specifically, is with us. That's one of the promises in Matthew's gospel. We've been looking at Matthew's gospel. It's Matthew who records the fact, quoting Isaiah 7, that Jesus is Emmanuel. God with us. And here in Luke 24, Jesus is Emmanuel. He is God with his disciples in their complex, in their perplexity, in their sadness. He's there with them. And he continues that walk right through the pages of Luke, right through the pages of Acts, right through the New Testament, right down to today. Jesus walks with his people. He's invisible to us sometimes. He makes himself seen in other ways, but he's invisible to us. The the physical Jesus who walked the dusty roads of Palestine is invisible to us, but he's here with us. That is part of what the resurrection means. Why is that? Well, in Luke chapters 1 to 23, Jesus was physically with his disciples. He was walking with them. They could see him. But he couldn't be more than one place at one time. He couldn't actually be within them. His physicality, which he had, like the rest of us, had certain limitations which he submitted himself to. He was in one place at one time. He, he, he wasn't able to, to be in us and with us. It was only after he had died on the cross... It was only after he had been raised to resurrection life. I want to just say a word about resurrection life. Resurrection life is deeply intertwined with the life we live right now. Jesus is raised. He, he is, there's a continuity between Jesus' physical life that we read about in Luke 1 to 23 and his resurrection life that we read about in Luke chapter 24. There is a deep connection, a continuity. But there's also significant differences. 
So his disciples, who knew him very well, did not recognize him. Luke records that. They didn't have eyes yet to see him. He had not revealed himself to them. Well, the resurrected Christ, the resurrected Christ now has this new dimension to his life. It's in continuity with his physical life as before. It's intimately connected. There's not a, there's not a, a change in, in terms of who Jesus is. He's the same Jesus. But the resurrection has given his life new, a new sense of connection with his people. He, he, can, he walks with them. He's with them in this, this very important way. Uh, this is a, con, a continuation of Jesus' whole life and ministry. I've been reading a book, just starting actually, just reading some introductory pages from a new book that's going to be released widely called uh, um, Union with the Resurrected Christ by my favorite and only uh, RTS seminary professor, Greg Beal, who has written a book about about how important it is that Jesus' disciples are actually united with him. The resurrected Christ, he is united with us. And Dr. Beale makes the point that you can't really, you can't really separate the dimensions of Jesus' life. In fact, uh, he calls it the Christ event. You, you can look at the different aspects, but you can't really separate them. They're all connected. So Jesus' incarnation was necessary for Jesus to die on the cross for us, to atone for our sins, to give us new life. It was necessary that he be in, in the incarnation to make the crucifixion possible. And the crucifixion was necessary for the resurrection to happen. He had to die in order to be raised to resurrection life. And the resurrection is connected 40 days later, according to Luke, at the ascension of Christ. We'll look at that at the end of this little series. We'll see how the, the incarnate Christ, the crucified Christ, the resurrected Christ, ascends into glory in heaven. And what did Jesus say he would do when he was in heaven? He would send the Holy Spirit who would do what? Who would remind us of what he has taught us as he's doing here. He's opening the scriptures. He's going all the way back to Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. He's opening the scriptures to them and he's going to reveal to them what the scriptures say. So as part of his union with us, which the resurrection makes possible, this, this intimate connection, it's tied to the Bible. It's tied to the scriptures, specifically the Old Testament scriptures. Dr. Beale's book actually walks through the Old Testament and shows how the Old Testament points towards the resurrected Christ and the importance of our union with him. Well, here in Luke 24, we're, we're beginning to see the outlines of that union. That union is grounded in the word of God. It is grounded in the scriptures. It's grounded initially in the Old Testament, and it's grounded as the Old Testament is lived out in the new. So, Really, the, the, the union we have with Christ is the basis for everything else. John Calvin's a theologian I very much respect. We were talking about John Calvin in our uh, leadership class just this morning. John Calvin wrote this. He says, We must understand that as long as Christ remains outside of us and we are separated from him, 
All that he has suffered and done for the salvation of the human race remains useless and no value for us. Therefore, to share with what he has received from the Father, he had to become ours and to dwell within us. And that's what we see here on the road to Emmaus. It's it's Jesus with his disciples. That's what it says down in verse uh, 28. They drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going further, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now spent. Notice what it says. So he went in to stay with them. He's with them. They are with him. There's this new union which is being made manifest, this this connection that we have to Christ. And I agree very much with John Calvin that it's, it's this witness to Jesus that makes our witness possible. It's being with him, connected to him, in him. You can't really separate what the resurrected Christ does here in Luke 24 from everything that Jesus did in Luke 1 to 23. They're all connected. They're all connected and they all have meaning to us. And the great significance is that in the incarnation of Jesus, his coming into the world, his suffering for us, his dying on the cross for us, his walking with us in the resurrection, that witness now becomes the basis for all the good things that we have through Christ by the power of the Spirit. So where does Christian joy come from? Where does, where does understanding come from? How, does, how do we connect to the Scriptures? It's our witness to Jesus. His teaching us, his, his explaining to us what the Scriptures say. And then the Holy Spirit applying those things, reminding us of those things, reminding us of what Jesus has said, and then we live that out in resurrection power. The same power that raised Jesus to new and never-ending life, that same power is at work, the writer to the Hebrews says, in us. That same resurrection power that we see in the raising of Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, that same power is at work in you and in me, transforming us as we walk with Jesus in our union with him. So Luke underscores the the powerful significance of, of the witness, the union we have with Christ. It's the basis for everything else. Forgiveness of sins, assurance, hope, joy, all of that is ours. Not as separate, discrete things that Jesus gives us, but as manifestations, as as aspects of our being united with him, our walking with him. That is where all of those good things come from. And the Christian life is not seeking little isolated aspects of that, but actually embracing all that. As we walk with Christ, the resurrection and our union with Christ. And Luke's going to go on to say more about that uh, here in the gospel and, and in Acts. We're going to see that again and again in the New Testament, the significance of our union with Christ. So let's underscore that. That's, that's the meaning of the resurrection in, in large part is the resurrection and our union with Jesus. That's where it's ultimately applied to you and me it's through our union with Christ but it's interesting Luke underscores and again Luke's the only one who records this detail 
But if you look down at verse 28, um, sorry, down at uh, verse uh, 29, they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now spent. So he went in to stay with them. Verse 30, when he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him. Now, I'm a great believer in the central role the Bible has to play. Clearly, Luke is underscoring how Jesus opens his word. He explains it to them. He starts with Moses. He goes through the prophets. He goes through the Psalms. He's explaining to them all that the Bible has to say. He says that twice. He underscores the connection to the Bible. But he also here does something that makes me think of what we're about to do. Having opened the scriptures, having explained to them, begun to explain to them the the beginning of a 40-day intensive graduate program where he's going to teach them the scriptures. As he has done that, at the end of the day, he is with them and he stops and breaks bread with them. He took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. Um, that, brothers and sisters, I think is a, it's a, a connection to what we are about to do. Jesus does reveal himself to us in the Bible. But he also gives us this visible meal. It's, it's yet another manifestation of his witness. And if you really think about it, Calvin had a lot to say about this. It's interesting to read Calvin's thoughts on the sacraments and his thoughts on what we're about to do. And Calvin believed that, that this holy meal is meant to underscore our witness with Jesus, our, our union with him. He said that we're to think of this bread not as transubstantiation, as that is, that's a million miles, I think, from what Luke has in mind. He's not talking about the molecular makeup of the bread. What he's actually talking about is the spiritual significance of the bread and its relationship to us. Jesus makes the bread a representation of himself. And We're connected with Jesus as we are nourished on Jesus, like with bread and like with wine. We're connected with Christ. And so it's another way the Lord underscores our connection and union with him. I'm so glad we do it. I'm glad we're going to do it today. Very glad we get to think about how deeply, deeply connected we are to Christ. He's actually within us. Not through transubstantiation, but by the power of the Holy Spirit, the resurrected Christ makes his home within us, within me and you and with all of us together. And it's that togetherness part I want to underscore secondly. What what other meaning does the uh, resurrection have? Well, the resurrection not not only underscores our union with Christ... But as we together are united with Christ, we are united to one another. The disciples discover this. They talk about their their hearts burning 
when Jesus opened the scriptures. And they, they talk about in verse 35 how Jesus, how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. This holy meal is, is a connection to him and an, an involvement with him, a, a dimension of our union with him. And in a moment when you come forward, yes, we will, we will experience a reminder of our spiritual connection with Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. We'll, we'll, we'll experience a reminder of what the atonement means for me and for you as an individual. We'll experience that. But brothers and sisters, we will also be reminded that we are doing this together. Together. See, Jesus, Jesus has a relationship with each one of us, and he has a relationship with all of us. They're dimensions of the same relationship. Because we are each connected to him, we are all connected to him, and we're all connected to one another. And so this, this meal is is a reminder that the resurrection that, that makes us one with Christ, that same resurrected Christ makes us one with one another. And so the life of Christ is lived out through us. He's in heaven, the, ascended, the resurrected ascended Christ in heaven, reigning, and his life is now being lived out through us and in us. We're united with one another. And that's what you see here with the disciples as they, as they connect to one another, as they, they encourage one another, as they together seek to understand and as they, as they discuss these things together. I think it's a beautiful picture of the church. This, this walk to Emmaus is not only a picture of two disciples connecting with Christ, it's a picture of the infant church Two or three gathered together with Jesus in their midst, walking together, discussing, growing, coming to understand together. The resurrection has everything to do with the church. You see, Jesus couldn't be everywhere at once when he walked the dusty roads of Palestine. He could be in one place at one time. But the resurrected Christ by resurrection power, makes himself just as much here with you and me right now as he was with the disciples on the road to Emmaus. And we together share that union. We together, as a church family, we together grow in him and help one another to grow in him. I'm hoping this Easter that we all have a chance in our individual walk with Christ to, to learn from him and, and to, to turn to the scriptures, uh, aided by the Spirit, to, to more fully understand this Christ event that Dr. Beale talks about, this, this whole series of events and in, in, in manifestations that sum up what Jesus came to do, to make this union with him a reality. And brothers and sisters, I'm, I'm praying that we will do that more and more and more in union with one another. That the things that divide us will melt away. And the thing that unites us, Christ Jesus himself, will become more and more and more powerful as we walk together.